Five, four, three, two, one. Bazinga. Bazinga. Hello and welcome back to the Now Showing podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Luke McDonald. Uh, and as always, I am joined by my superior in the film podcasting uh, industry, uh, Sam Houston. Yo, I'm, I, I'm from fucking London, mate, and I'm going to come around here and be the best podcast host since Mark Kermode. I thought you were going to go for, like, posh. I thought you were going to go, like, regal. Hello. I couldn't, uh, kind of thing. I couldn't actually remember how to do a Cockney accent, so I just kind of messed you up. You couldn't remember what I sounded like. It's been almost seconds since you talked. How are you doing today, JL? I'm doing good. You wouldn't realise I had a master's degree now in linguistics, given that shocking attempt at an accent. But, um, yeah, I'm doing pretty yeah. good. Got my uh, my degree results through this week, so I'm pretty happy. That's not bad. Are you, um, how are you feeling about the uh, Manchester City losing 5-2 to Leicester today? Um, well, all I can say is I'm, uh, I'm rapidly falling out of love with football. I just wonder what's the point anymore. <laughs> I'm rapidly falling out of love with films, which is a shame that I'm doing a film podcast, I guess. Um, you wouldn't know it given yeah. uh, the five attempted att- intro attempts with uh, oh my God, reference to the MMA podcast. You're hearing it now, so we must have done it. <laughs> and um, and today we're going to be talking about two films uh, mainly. We're going to be talking about uh, a kind of smaller indie Scottish film um, came out uh, this year, but I think it was produced last year called Schemers, uh, looking at the life of, of an individual uh, growing up in Dundee and, and uh, trying to make his way up the music industry uh, whilst dealing with the uh, Dundee's equivalent of the mob. Um, and um, directed and written by the the man that it's about. A uh, very interesting film. Uh, it's being shown throughout, throughout England now, but hasn't really got the press that uh, a lot of other uh, releases are getting. And we're going to be talking about mainly the, the, the kind of uh, headline. The main event of, of today's podcast is uh, Enola Holmes. It's the uh, new Netflix adapta- adaptation of uh, a book uh, about Sherlock's sister that was released, I believe, in the 90s. And... Um, Stars Millie Bobby Brown dealing with uh, the the mystery of the the disappearance of her mother, and stars a, a number of kind of well known people such as Henry Cavill, and her mother is played by Helena Bonham Carter. So we'll get into that in a minute. But um, I believe JL that you have a quiz, and this time it's actually to do with the films. It's actually related to one of the films. Yeah. Well, kind of. Is it about schemes? Is it about music? Oh uh, yeah, it's, re- it's related to schemes more so. Well, very much more okay. so. Okay. Uh, and given the fact that, as evidenced by the start of this podcast, you like to make a habit and a uh, bit of trivial nature about my accent being from being from the north. Yeah. Well, we're gonna yeah. we're gonna head further north. We're gonna head to Scotland, and we're gonna do a. I don't mind the Scotland. I think that the filth starts about the, the gap between Nottingham and Leicester and ends about Newcastle. So I won't I won't like Scottish. I don't have the disdain that I do for Northerners for Scots. Okay, well, it's a good thing you actually watch a film about Scottish people this week, isn't it? And not uh, people from yeah. the, uh, the northwest. Well, I needed North subtitles though. A lot, I, I don't, I'm not joking. There was definite points that I struggled to understand they're on about. I'm so glad that I actually went to a captions showing of the film. <laughs> really? <laughs> I'll talk about it later. <laughs> but yeah, we'll talk about that later. Uh, but first up, given the need for subtitles in that film, uh, your quiz this week is on Scottish slang and idioms and stuff like that. Really? That's a good, that's a good one. So, okay. okay, so there's a few in here which I think did actually appear in the film. Whether you had any idea what it meant in the film is another question, but uh, mm. I think I've got 20 in total for you to go through. 
So first yeah. up, you've got what? The, so these are all Scottish slang or idioms or something or whatever. No, I'm gonna really, I'm gonna really enjoy you trying to pronounce them. To ask I, I'm not questions. gonna pronu- I'm not gonna try and attempt a Scottish accent after my travesty of a of a Cockney accent. Um, Apples <laughs> <laughs> and pears. <laughs> first up, Governor. First up, you've got hoard your wished. What does hoard your wished? Your wished. So hold your waist, which I guess means. Um, hmm, hold your, I'm guessing that means hold your waist. Um, like, wait a minute? No, it means shut up, which is what I should be telling you to do every week when you, <laughs> when you take the mick out of me. Does it mean, is that, is that, how, does that mean hold your waist? Hold your waist? Maybe it's hold, I don't know what it means. It's, see, some of these are from different sources and this one was taken from one which attempted to like transcribe the Scottish accent into the... Yeah. Into the terms, so I don't actually know what yeah, it's yeah. supposed to actually say. Okay. 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 Next up. Zero for one. Zero for one. Next up, you've got Ardini Ken. Ardini Ken. Ardini Ken. Mm. I think this was in the film, I'm pretty sure. It's quite a common, quite a common phrase. I was trying to think of someone Scottish saying it. Ardini Ken. <laughs> That's some scales. <laughs> oh yeah, that, that uh, didn't he Ken. Uh, fuck, ah, uh, 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 Ken. Uh, honestly, I'm completely lost. Ah, uh, didn't Ken. No clue. I don't care. Oh, you're close. It's I don't know. Oh yeah, I see. Okay. okay. Next up. Zero for two. Zero for two. Next up, you've got Bonnie. What does Bonnie mean? This is a girl. No, small, small. No, small. no. What? Bonnie means lovely or beautiful. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. that makes sense. A Bonnie Lassie. I Bonnie thought it meant like young yeah. Lassie. Or that's like a Lassie. common phrase. Maybe that's why you thought of it. Of... Yeah. I knew it meant. That's why I said Lassie at first. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Shit. Zero for three. Next up, you've got, I'm getting the messages. I'm getting the messages? Mm-hmm. Is that slang? It's like a phrase. It's like an idiom. Um. Oh, I hear you loud and clear. No, it's I'm going oh, shopping. I understand you. Getting the messages. So apparently, it's to do with like when people write like a note with like the things that they want from shopping, then they'll go and get the messages from the shop because that's the what they've written on the note. Fucking, I take back my things about liking the Scottish. These people are subhuman. <laughs> do you mean I'm getting the messages? Okay, none of that. We'll have a uh, we'll have the anti-discrimination people coming after us. <laughs> Eight people listen to the podcast. The likelihood that one of them is Scottish is probably not very high. Anyway, carry okay, on. Right next up, we've got Peely Wally. <laughs> Peely, you could Wally. call someone Peely Wally. What do you mean? Um, fuck, Peely Wally. Maybe like shit. I'm only thinking the literal words. Or oh, maybe it could be Wally. I mean, like an idiot. No. No, it is wall, as in, like, the wall is peeling. Peely Wally. That's what I meant originally. I was like, mm-hmm. what could that possibly mean? Like, Peely Wally. Yeah. Like, you, could t- um, you could say to someone, you are Peely Wally. Or you look Peely Wally, maybe is about old. Old? No, it means... Decrepit? It means they look pale or sick. Or sick. Yeah, I can see that. That makes sense. One point to the Scottish. You're slightly more human than I previously stated. I mean, you've still got zero from five. Um... Next up, yeah, what is okay. what is jobby? What's a jobby? 
Ooh, that that is oh, shit. I feel like I know that. Toilet. Uh, I'll give you. I'll give you that. I'll give. Um, do I give you that? What shit? Yeah, yeah. It is. It's it's just doing a good old number two on the loo. Okay. Okay. I'll give you that though. I'll give you. I'll give I'm you half six. a point. I'll give you half a point. Half half that six. Hey, fair enough. Okay. Fair enough. What is Hogmanay? Oh, uh, Hogmanay is New Year's Eve? Yes, well done. Yeah, it's one, one, okay. out, of seven. one, one and a half, half, out of seven. half out of seven. What's Pure Barry? Pure Barry. I see. Um, He was chatting Pure Barry. Would that make sense? Uh, no. Oh, uh... You could say something. You could say something is pure Barry. Absolutely mint, like really good. Yeah, I'll give you that. It's like brilliant. Something's brilliant. Like that, that's brilliant. Yeah. Okay. So you got what's that? Two and a half out of eight. <laughs> Absolute <laughs> travesty of, yeah. of, a, of a attempt as usual from from the old Sam Houston. Um, oh, is there only eight questions? No, 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 not finished yet. Okay. What is Spondulies? Spondulies. Mm-hmm. Um, I. <laughs> uh, that's quite a good one. Whatever it is, I like it. I don't know, like a joint, spendooly. I imagine it sound like kind of drug related. Nope, it's money. I see, apparently. Okay, what is spendooly? Does that make sense? Like spending? Yeah, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah. What's what's a balloon? What what would you say? A balloon. Yeah. If you said someone that you were you're a balloon, what do you mean? Fat. No. It means you're an idiot. Fuck. Like you, like your good self. See, you call me fat. <laughs> Blue, filled with air, that makes sense. Yeah, call him an idiot, okay. What's yup, yup tea? Yup tea? Mm-hmm. What are you up to? Yeah, so well done. So you got, what's that, Let's three and a half it. out of, I don't know how many that is now. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I've got a feeling I'd do, be- do better on Glaswegian slang than anywhere else due to the amount of limmy content I've consumed in my life. Over over the rest of the yeah, I think some the, of this is from Glasgow actually, and some from Edinburgh and various other places. Okay, yeah, yeah, uh, it's a is... very regionalized place, as, as as most places are, I guess. But I yeah. guess especially with slang and shit. Okay, what is to boke? Whatever to boke. If you boke, if you were to boke, what would it be? <sighs> Sleep. Nope, it's to vomit. <laughs> That makes sense. Yeah, it's kind of on the map here. Mm-hmm. All right. What is what is scunnered? If you drunk. Were, if you're scunnered, what do you mean? Nope. Drunk. Nope. It's mm. if you are fed up or done with something. You, if, you, yeah, that, if you're done with everything, then you'd say you're scunnered. Oh, I was working off the the assumption that if you add ed to the end of anything, it makes you sound like you're drunk. Yeah, true. I remember we, we we did that once in a German lesson, and someone suggested radiated, which I don't think works quite as well, but. Um... <laughs> Uh, okay. Absolutely batteried last night. Yeah. Okay. Next up, what is out with? It's one word. Out with. Um, hurry up. No, it's outside. I see. Okay. What is Dreek? Spelled D-R-E-I-C-H. That's an awful word. It's uh, pretty awful word about as well. It's not like well, I mean, it's not awful, but it's it's not it's not a nice thing. Well, it depends what you like, I guess. That's that's putting the spanner in the works. 
depends what you'd like, I guess. Like, um, it, it's something that I personally like, but a lot of people would say they don't like. But I guess that's depend. It maybe depends on where you're from, I guess. Andre's children? Wow. I was going to give you a clue there. I'm not going to fuck off now. You can fuck off now. <laughs> uh, you like it? Fucking drink. Fucking... The clue... The, well, the clue was going to be... I'll give it you anyway. The clue is like... Uh, there's a lot of it in Manchester. Um, Alcoholics. Wow, okay. That's definitely no more clues for you. Uh, it's like rain. <laughs> like misty. Like... One's I like rain, see. Like you like rain. rain. I see. What a sad person you are. Rain is so nice. Do you not like the sound of rain, like dripping on the window? Yeah, you know. Uh, yeah, it's nice being indoors. Bit guess. of ASMR going on, like rain. my uh, my lovely voice on the podcast. Definitely not. Great I'm a like summer that. guy, dude. I want to see that sun shining. The rain. It, it can see. That's what I mean. It depends where you're from. You're from London. You get a nice, nice, uh, nice sunny days. Nice hot weather. <laughs> That's the first time anyone has ever called London sunny, so I'll appreciate I mean, it. Comparably, we, when we get the, when we get the news of the weather and it's like London's gonna be 28 degrees, and then northwest <laughs> you look at it like 22. It's like yeah, well done. Okay, right. What is yeah. what is dreep? What is to dreep? To dreep. I would say. Yeah, it's like an the... action. It's like an action you can do. To veep. To veep. No. So would you say to what was the word? Dreep. D R E E P. Dreep. Um, to drink? Nope. It is when you hold onto like a ledge and then like you let go of it and like slide down something. So so specific. Okay. Well, the, how was I gonna the, get that? The specific. <laughs> the specific. Uh, the very London. Uh, Centric tr- definition is to lower oneself from a height and drop the remaining distance. So you called us. You did a Cockney accent like we were chavs earlier, and now you you flip the now you flip the switch as the cool kids say. Okay, is that is it got any more? Uh, there's four left. You've got kludgy. What's a kludgy? Kludgy. It's something you've already guessed for a different one actually. Oh, I you know I haven't guessed this. But I'm gonna to have to go for vagina because no, it's something you've already guessed. But how is it not vagina? It's, a, it's obviously it's a, a toilet. Really? And maybe there's similarities between a toilet and a vagina, because uh, it depends <laughs> what sort of women you you are. What? You are interested in? Move on. <laughs> Absolutely, move on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what is this? Was definitely in this was definitely in schemas. What is Baltic? Baltic. Hmm. Uh, mad? No. But no, it was absolutely boring. Fucking. Uh. Mm, can you use it in a sentence? Um. There's one scene in the film where they use it. Uh, I can't really give you the, f- the context because it'll give it away what it is. Um. Yeah, but could you use it in a sentence like? Oh, oh it's yeah, bloody Baltic out there. Freezing. Yeah, cold. Yeah. Freezing cold. See. Okay. You got two that left. You got two left. Uh, penultimate one is what is Coonsil Coonsil Pop Coonsil Pop um Piss no that's a that, that's also supposed to be a Scottish accent there as well because it'll give it'll give you a bit of an idea of what the first word's supposed yeah, to be yeah Council Pop mm-hmm. is the yeah 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 uh, so that's why I said Piss because I thought it was like a oh no no um Wine nope it's tap water I see. And the last one 
which... I thought it was going to be like Alkies, you know, like Council Pop. Oh, maybe. Council yeah, maybe. Okay, the last one, which definitely applies to you in every quiz we've ever done. Failing means you're playing. <laughs> what? Failing means you're playing. So, how am I supposed to... I don't mean... That makes sense. Like, how can I say what that it's, means? Okay, there's like, there's like a common phrase. Like a com... What? Gotta be in it to win it. Or... No. What kills you makes you stronger, I think. No. Failing means you're playing. It's like a very common phrase, which is a lot more common in like standard English. Um, no, I don't know. What? It's the taking part that counts. I see. Which of course... That makes, yeah, basically, I did know what it meant. Yeah. Which of course applies to fashion. you in every quiz that I've ever done. Yeah, I did fail, but I did play, and I insulted the Scottish people and Manchester people at the same time. And women. And women. How did I insult women? I didn't mean to insult women, by the way. You insulted women. I didn't insult women. You are... You... I'm not going to get into it. Okay. <laughs> what have you watched this week? Fucking... I got like four and a half, five and a half out of, out of 20. Like I don't that. even know what that was. You, you, it, was a, that, it, was a, it was a bad attempt. What a waste of time, eh? Absolute waste <laughs> of 17 minutes. What have you watched this week? What have I watched? Are we starting with me? Yeah. Okay, I'll tell you what I've I watched. Anything. What I've really, really watched. Yeah. Um. So, I've watched... I've, I've actually used my Limitless quite a bit this week. Um. I've watched a bunch of films in my backlog from 2020 releases, and then a couple of other stuff. First off, I watched a good old Trolls World Tour, which I know you were very keen to watch, but unfortunately never never were able to see. Um, <laughs> Why did you go watch Trolls World Tour? Because it's free, and because it's also... I want to be paid to free. see Trolls World Tour. Wait, what? I'd want to be paid to see Trolls World Tour. I didn't pay. I'd want to be paid. Oh, I want to be paid. By oh, someone. I see, I see. Well, I mean, it was free, and... Uh, you know, my dad my dad bought it on DVD from my little brother and sister, and they've seen it. And I thought, you know what, it's free. I'll rather watch it in the cinema, so why not? I'll go into cinema that day anyway, I thought I might as well. Mm. Um, it was interesting, you know, Trolls Endgame was a, was a great watch. Yeah, just searching for the music stones. A solid five out of five for me. Uh, no flaws yeah. at all. No, no, it was, it was, um, it was very generic, very much, uh, you know, you know, if it, I'm, I'm pretty sure most kids would enjoy it, as my brother and sister said. Um, a little brother liked it more than the first one. Maybe wouldn't agree with him on that one. Um, but no, for its, for its target audience, for its target audience, it was, uh, it was, you know, it did what it needed to do. It, I'm not sure how much money it made, given that it was on the, it was on like a, on-demand release, wasn't it? Right back at the beginning of uh, of the pandemic. Um, yeah. It was, uh, it was alright. I gave, it, I think I gave it a two and a half on Letterboxd. Probably generous. Mm, I don't know, maybe. It, it had some good parts. It had some nice messages as well. Um, it was very generic in its structure, but I think, obviously, as a kid's film, it's kind of hard to push the boat sometimes. We've seen with recent films, I guess, with, like, Spider-Verse and stuff, that there is potential there to, to push it out a bit more. Um, and there were some nice messages in, in Trolls World Tour. There was one moment where they talk about how the, the winners uh, in, in combat and, and such like the in the history books uh, tend to tend to write things in their favor and the way write them the way they want them to be written mm. which was I thought was quite a poignant message for for 2020 for a kids film um yeah 
But and there was a couple of other nice matches in there, sort of, you know, putting differences aside, but also respecting and and, and appreciating and acknowledging difference as well can also be a good thing. Um, so yeah, but it was like I said, it was it kind of was a bit generic in terms of structure and character development was pretty much non-existent, but there were still some nice messages there and the animation, as always with with um with the trolls films, was was pretty good, I thought. Um, but yeah, I also watched Onward, the uh, latest um, Pixar release, which I've been w- wanting to watch for a while, but never got into watching. And I'd heard mixed things, was kind of going into it thinking, mm, is he going to live up to likes of Coco and stuff from recent years? Um, but also you consider that Incredibles 2, which I wasn't a fan of um, personally. So it's coming off the back of those two films, very conflicting uh, films in my in my opinion. Onward was, was very good. I really liked it. Um, again, some nice messages in there. Some interesting things about sort of wanting to spend time and, and see loved ones who have, who have passed away and what would what we'd do if we had the opportunity to see them again and uh, it was a nice sort of as well some nice um, some nice shout outs to RPG games like role playing games and just some really nice uh, animation as always from Pixar looking forward to seeing Soul if and when uh, that gets a cinema release because that's been pushed a lot in cinema adverts but. Um, you know, there's talk of it potentially going to Disney Plus and such, so hopefully that does get a cinema release because I'd love to see that in the cinema. Some gorgeous animation again from from Onward from Pixar. Um, I also watched 100% Wolf, which I watched today. Uh, I film my kids films. Yeah, another kids film. Um, I watched this, so I watched the Onward and Trolls were told on my own, and then I watched 100% Wolf with my dad and my brother and sister. Uh, 100% Wolf, I was actually not expecting too much from, given what I'd read about it and such, but again. I'm very much a surprise um, for the animation, and some of the some of the animation was absolutely incredible. Um, I would not be like it would not be out of place in a Pixar film. Uh, some of the stuff that was done in that film, in terms of like camera, like the camera movement, like obviously not camera movement, but you know what I mean, like the animation, the way that the um, the way that things were shown, the transitions and such were very very good at times, and the messages again. Um, for kids films, you know, I guess they've always had those sorts of messages, but I think um, maybe as you get older, you kind of pick up on them a bit more, like consciously. Um, and that was a very, very, uh, very nice film. Very much a surprise, as I said. And I also watched uh, La Haine, uh, 1995 French film, so very different. Um, a film I'd heard a lot of good things about. And yeah, it was, you know, lived up to expectations very much so. Um, black and white French film. Um, I kind of kept thinking of City of God. I'm not sure if you've seen that before. Uh, set in Rio, or this like the outskirts of Rio. Um, I haven't seen it. Yeah, I kind of got very similar vibes. City of God came after La Haine. I think I preferred City of God overall, but La Haine was still very good. And if you're interested in any uh, foreign language films, uh, definitely recommend giving that one a go. And also Twenty Three Walks, which um I watched on the same day I watched uh, Schemas, uh, which we'll talk about later. And Twenty Three Walks was a film which again I wasn't investing much from, very much not aimed at me. Um, maybe aimed at a bit uh, a bit of an older audience, because uh, it follows like um two older people who have um are no longer in um like relationships and they meet on a dog walk. Uh, one day and then they sort of go on a series of dog walks and uh, other um, meetings and it's kind of just 
this journey of their lives and talking about their experiences and uh, sort of loving older life, which I think sometimes is swept under the rug a bit and uh, we kind of focus more on teenage rom-coms and sort of the, you know, the trivial nature or whatever of uh, of parties and drugs and alcohol and whatever. Um, but it's just nice, I think, to have a bit of focus on, on, older, on older relationships as well. Because it was really good performances. So I felt the script in, in places was um, a bit weird. There were some very strange lines that happened. Um, but it has Dave Johns, who... I don't know if you've seen I, Daniel Blake, the Ken Loach film. Um, but he's the... He plays Ken... Um, he plays David... Uh, Daniel Blake, sorry. In that. And uh, this, this film kind of had a bit of a Ken Loach vibe to it at times. Very much has focus on... Uh, working class issues as well and sort of um, there's a there's a kind of subplot with him being rehoused in a in a block of flats and stuff so it's it was it was pretty good um, wasn't you know it wasn't anything amazing but it was it was interesting um, yeah and I've rambled on for about I don't know too long probably about what I've been watching but I've been watching quite a bit as I said um, and then just just really quickly um, TV wise I've been watching, I started Des, uh, which I'm not sure if you finished yet, but I started the first, I've seen an episode and a half um, now. Uh, it's probably a similar situation to you were in last uh, last podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Des from so far, absolutely loving it. Um, David Tennant, you know, one of, you know, just a, a great actor and, uh, and yeah, just a really intriguing story and really intriguing thing that uh, I didn't really know too much about. Maybe some older people or whatever. Uh, more aware of the situation given that they probably lived through it um but yeah really really intriguing um story and Dave Tennant as always is amazing and what else have I watched on tv that I want to mention there was two things oh yeah there was also I've been watching um two two programs from BBC uh one's called Famalam which I mentioned to you um which is a sketch show which kind of really pushes the boat on race issues and diversity and such um, with um, I think it's sort of five or six recurring uh, black British actors um, and really really funny um, very much sort of up my street in terms of these messages about racism and racial diversity and so on um, just yeah if you haven't seen that the new season just came out like a week or two ago which is why I've heard about it uh, and the rest of the whole thing's an iPlayer so if, you, uh, if you're in the UK and you fancy giving that a go um, recommend that and also um there's uh, Murder in Successville, which I... Are you snoring? <laughs> <laughs> Two hours later, then. Excuse me. Um, Murder in Successville, which I'm not sure if you've seen that before, uh, which ran from 2015, 2017, uh, has Tom Davis playing a fictional police detective. And it's basically, it's really funny. It's uh, successful. It's basically this place where he's... These actors playing fake, like, they're playing celebrities. So there's, like, Gordon Ramsay is the head of police and, like, Simon oh, Cowell yeah, yeah, is the mayor yeah, and so on. And they basically pull in actual real-life celebrities. So they've had, like, Deborah Meadon and Jamie Lang and so on. Um, and Dermot O'Leary. And they basically have to solve, like, a fictional murder. Uh, that's really funny as well. All I play as well, again, if you haven't seen that. And now I'll have the two-hour lecture on what I've been watching. I will pass them the, uh, the mic over. So to speak. Well, yeah, you've you've seen an awful lot more than I have. I uh, again uh, just came to uni first week of uni this week, so I've been pretty busy. I was in London. Uh, oh, I had to go away to to see my mum because it's my mum's birthday this week. But um, while I've been away, uh, I have 
basically fit in mainly watching The Simpsons. Um, but other than that, I did see one film. Uh, I did see The Equalizer, um, 2014 film uh, that was on Film 4 the other week. It's the only reason I've seen it. And it's got Denzel Washington in it and uh, Chloe Grace Moretz and, and uh, David Harbour of, uh, of Stranger Things fame and uh, and Bill Pullman, who's who's been in, in loads of shit. And it's, it's, uh, it's about Denzel Washington trying to... Um, protect sex workers um from from the russian mafia and um i believe it was a tv show in the 80s and they kind of remade it and it was pretty good actually i, I would say it was um probably like a uh, six out of ten seven out of ten film but it was like a kind of nice cheesy action film and uh basically anything i watched so my section has been less than a minute and yours was about 10 but yeah so oh, no, that, you, other than that simpsons you're missing something aren't you what that you watched uh, have I? Yeah, I, I believe you. Uh, believe you've watched. Um, I don't know. Maybe people have forgotten. Maybe to expose you. <laughs> for... Oh, what is it? Is, is it about Mr. Robot? <laughs> is it on this robot? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm joking. I haven't watched Mr. Robot. No, I'm joking. I haven't watched Mr. Robot. I do plan to at some point, but um, yeah, I'm just busy, man. No, it's fine. God, there's a shit to watch. I need to watch the boys. Need to watch. Need to watch, um, need to watch what? Criminal. I need to watch The Boys. Aye. Yeah, I still need to watch season and, two, actually. I've, I've, uh... And Criminals, and I also want to watch uh, Umbrella Academy. Oh, God. I've, I have you, have you seen all the boys, uh, people, like, review, like rating bombing it? What? Like, so, basically, people have been reviewing The Boys as one star on Amazon because they're complaining about the weekly release. Oh really? And so yeah, and so even pe- people are writing like, "Oh, this this show is so good," and like, "I really like it." But then they'll still give it one star because they're angry that it's getting a weekly release. So they're like, "I want it now. It's so good." But I'm going to give it one star, which kind of makes no sense. But um, yeah, I mean, we did talk about the yeah, weekly okay. release structure, and I've actually kind of changed my mind on it. When we first talked about, it, I was like, kind of like, "Why are they doing this? What's the point?" I kind of think that it's a good keeps you wanting more yeah exactly and also as you mentioned about the uh, the free trialers I mean yeah I've got Amazon Prime so I don't have to complain about uh, having you know that issue but I think you know if you want to support um, support films and TV shows and such if then you want to support Amazon then yeah you know, I think they really need a helping hand well no but I mean just in general like you can't you know say I want a free trial so I can watch it all and then not pay for it I was going to say, you know, we never talked about cuties. That was like a massive controversy about films, about Netflix. I didn't want to talk about it on the podcast. I didn't. Did you not? Because you got really ex- extremely controversial <laughs> views. God's on the sake. I'm not... Well, yeah. I... No, no. I, because I, I didn't want, I didn't want to. The thing with that film is I want, I didn't want my, I didn't want my opinions to seem like a rehash of. Yeah. Over, over opinions. And also because my kind of opinion has been, have been a bit kind of like a bit mixed on it I, don't, I think that it's probably not that bad it's see the thing is the I've seen people really who I've seen people who weren't gonna uh, were gonna watch it or like weren't gonna watch it whichever way and then have seen like like they agree that, they, that it was like massively overblown and people should have you know probably seen the film before they talked about it but also people those same people still saying yeah but it it is kind of still problematic so and I've not watched it. I, I kind of wanted yeah, to. Yeah, so I can't because... judge until I have seen it. But it does see the way that I seem to get it from someone that's essentially uneducated is that it isn't 
it kind of is the documentary exposes a lot of the problems with the industry, but then also the 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 poster makes it look like it's endorsing it. Yeah, but, but I'm not sure I've heard people sa- people saying that it it's supposed to be like a critical thing, but then it doesn't actually criticize some of the things like shows. Like I've seen clips on YouTube where people have talked about it. Like there's one clip mm. where the girls just randomly start twerking to like get past some security guards or something. And it's kind of like, why is that in the film? <laughs> like yeah. it just seems a bit unnecessary. And like mm. I kind of, I kind of agree the sentiment of the film. Like this is an issue that needs to be talked about. But whether doing a film that shows this very thing that you're trying to, I don't know. It's very complicated and political and whatever. Yeah, it has to be, be done in the right way. And the question, the answer is we don't really know if it has been done in the right way until we see it. But I just felt like it was weird that we never talked about it. Yeah, but um, let's get into the news, shall we? Let's and get into it. Some some slightly controversial news. Um, and we'll start off with a bit of superhero news and, and a bit of uh, delays because we will start with that. Uh, and that was that uh, Black Widow um, was pushed back. We talked about it last week. Um, and as always, within a day of us recording a podcast, the news came out they actually had. Yeah, they're um, now showing sources. It, yeah, they're now showing sources. Did say that Black Widow was going to be pushed back. And it turned out to be true. And do you know the date of when it has been pushed back until? Uh, it's May 21st or something like that, I think, next year. Fucking that is so long. That's almost, also, might, is that right? I'm saying it's like a year after it was supposed to come out? Pretty much, yeah. Also, I'm pretty sure that the release date now has... Um, oh, what was it? There was a Marvel film. Like, the orders yeah, changed um, for the uh, yes. Marvel films. So it was supposed to be Black Widow, then The Eternals, and then Shang-Chi. Yeah, and it's now Shang-Chi before The Eternals, right? Or something like that? Uh, I'm not sure, but maybe. There's that, Yeah, one of the films is like... I'm really looking forward to The Eternals, and I'm not really looking forward to Shang-Chi, so... I'm looking forward to all of them. Oh, they'll probably be fine. Also, oh, uh, we didn't. We, Wonder Vision trailer came out. Oh yes, and we and um, this isn't even the running order. Um, which is uh, one, I believe, like one of the most watched trailers in like, like I think it was like Disney Plus's most. Wasn't it like the, it had like so many million views after twenty four hours or something like that. Yeah, it was like Disney Plus's most like um, clicked on like most most yeah. clicked on video or, or trailer or anything like is. It's um, like gonna be the biggest thing on Disney Plus, basically. Also, when, and, I, when um, people say one division, I always think of one, one division, <laughs> and then I always think of I don't know why. I, yeah, it just maybe that's intentional. I don't know. It just sounds weird when you say it's one word though. One division. I think you're overthinking it. But yeah, but the one division trailer came out and it looked. Um, I'm gonna say um, intriguing. Um, I've got to say I'm a bit more. I was already excited for it, uh, but I'm a bit more excited than I previously was, and I think this uh, whole like in her head thing they're going for mm-hmm. is um, certainly interesting. Um, and um, obviously, Vision is dead, and and Vision doesn't yeah. appear to be dead there. So I think the whole thing will be that it's in her head. And then there's this stuff with um, those people saying there's like the little references to the House of M, mm-hmm. which is um, you know an extinction event triggered by. Wanda, where she kills all the mutants in Marvel. Maybe they can use that to bring mutants into the universe. Um, and there's those of like little hints you can find in the trailers. You always can. But yeah, I think it looks like it looks very interesting, and um, yeah. I, I patiently wait it. Yeah, and time other than that, Doctor Strange as well. Yes, yeah, exactly. Oh, and Ben Cumberbatch is a rumored to be in the mm-hmm. in Wanda. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, so and that will probably lead into yeah, Multiverse Madness, and um. Also in, in series news, uh, this is on the other side of the superhero coin, uh, DC uh, have announced, well, John Cena has announced 
that um, his character from Suicide Squad, uh, Peacemaker, is going to be getting his own uh, TV show spin-off. It appears to be um, probably a bit more comedy comedy feel, uh, it seems from the, the way he described it on Twitter earlier. Um, but we've yet to know any details about it, other than the fact that we know it's going to be made. And, um, and John Cena is going to start in the title role. And uh, yeah. You've got, you've got some uh, got some sad, sad news next. Yeah. yeah and another another death in the film world uh, Michael Chapman cinematographer on various films various very good films uh, ranging from Taxi Driver to Raging Bull um, he's died at the age of 84 um, so yeah he was a two time Oscar nominee and shot a bunch of films um, yeah, just some more sort of sad news during this, this sad time, really, and obviously in, in the wake of um, the passing of, of Javik Bozeman, as we've mentioned on the podcast, uh, you know, in, in the past, um, you know, there's just some bit, just, just some sad news, really. Uh, of course, but the man being 84, he can, he, you know, he's managed to live his life, and I'm sure know, he, course, uh, yeah. he lived a better life than most of us will, and um, we can look upon him and, and say, you know, like, well done for, for all you've done, and in some... On the other hand, and when death comes, so does life. Um, River Phoenix, uh, well, I started that wrong. Joaquin Phoenix has named his son River, he's, uh, which is in a touching tribute to his uh, late brother, mm-hmm. um, the director of his upcoming film, Gunda, um, announced today, uh, I think Joaquin's a producer on the film, and the, uh, the director uh, announced today that uh, he named his son River yeah. uh, that's just uh, just born, and uh, and they'll too be working together on an upcoming documentary about the daily life of a, of a pig and its farm animal companions. Obviously tying into uh, Joachim's uh, passionate veganism. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so some uh, some sad, happy news, which obviously got with a sad tin. Obviously, um, yeah. very uh, uh, emotional that he, that he decided to name his son after his uh, yeah not late brother. Yeah, obviously not fully confirmed by Joachim or any um seemingly at the moment any media sort of big media outlets but uh yeah that was just taken from an instagram video uh a, what appeared to be some sort of q a for the for the film and uh yeah so that's just obviously some some nice sort of obviously on one hand a bit sad but also very uh sort of you know sad for the right reasons i guess um yeah, so other news, we've got uh, Netflix, some more Netflix news again, as usual. And they've bought four films, they've bought the rights, distribution rights, four films from the Toronto Film Festival. So they've picked up I Care A Lot, which is an upcoming film uh, featuring Bosman Pike, which I've heard good things about uh, from film festivals. And then, you know, th- this comes on the back of the fact that Netflix has bought three other films from the film festivals. Um... Halle Berry directorial um, Bruised. Uh, they also spent no, that's twenty million dollars. They also spent ten million dollars for Pieces of a Woman, and then they also spent thirty million dollars on the film which we talked about on the podcast before with Zendaya and John David Washington, the Marriage Story esque uh, film uh, featuring those two. Um, obviously, Zendaya come off the back of a you know the record breaking Emmy win. And uh, John David Washington off the back of um, Tenet and, and other various films, which he's been very good in. So uh, looking forward to seeing those on Netflix. And other Netflix news is that Noah Baumbach uh, is set to write and direct a new film for Netflix. Uh, this is a discussing film exclusive. 
which came out in the past few days. And uh, obviously, Neil Bowback, this is coming on the back of uh, Marriage Story, as just mentioned. Uh, he was involved, he was the director for that, for Netflix. Uh, and yeah, so just news that Neil Bowback is going to be returning to Netflix to write, direct, and produce a untitled film. Uh, not much in terms of plot. And so on for that, but yeah, just uh, just more news coming out of Netflix. Yes, and um, gonna go some news that's uh, kind of related to the news from from last week, and um, dare I say, very close to to my heart. As a, oh, so last week we talked about obviously I'm a massive Fast and Furious fan. I love cars going boom really quickly. <laughs> so I've got I, I'm really really happy to announce last week that they're making a uh, Fast and Furious in space, and. Um, and kind of linked to that, there have been rumours for a while, I believe we even mentioned it last week, um, that that there was uh, rumours that Tom Cruise would be going to space. I apologise for any noise you hear, I do live in London. Um, that any that, that Tom Cruise would be going into space for, for the next uh, Mission Impossible film. And uh, and it has been uh, made official, it's sort of finalised. Tom Cruise is uh, working with um, <coughs> Elon Musk. For the uh, for the upcoming project, and he will be uh, shooting off to the uh, to the Axiom space station in uh, in October twenty twenty one. Do you think space is the future of cinema, Jordan? That's a very big question. I don't think it's Mission Impossible, though, is it? Or is it? Uh, I, I think it's just a new it film. Is it? Okay, maybe I'm. Yeah, I yeah. might be an idiot. I believe that I thought it was supposed to be Mission Impossible. I don't know it's, because it's the. I've heard well. There's obviously reports that it's going to be a film directed by Doug Liman or Doug Lehman, uh, who was the guy who directed uh, Edge of Tomorrow. But I'm not oh, sure. I, 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 I did hear that it was Mission Impossible, but I may, and this would be a first, may be incorrect. A first. A first. On the the, the various quizzes on this show show that you were yeah, that was very rarely correct. Well, I got them wrong. That was a joke. <laughs> no. <laughs> I believe you have some more. Netflix news? No, 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 not Netflix It's not news, Netflix news, but it's another Discussing Film, film exclusive news. news. Uh, Wes Anderson... We're stealing stuff from Discussing Film. Wes Anderson is uh, is set to direct a new film in March 2021. Uh, again, um, like the other news I mentioned before, uh, Anderson set to direct, write, direct and produce a new feature film, uh, which is intended to begin filming 2021 in March. Uh, casting's already... Underway, plot details aren't known, although it's rumoured to be a romance story of some description, uh, with one source confirming that it's a live-action project rather than stop-motion, such as Isle of Dogs or Phantom Mr. Fox, which are two of Anderson's uh, more recent films. Uh, however, one source for just discussing film suggested it could actually still be a stop-motion animated film. So, again, very tentative, very early reports for this, um, but was Anderson, obviously, who still has French Dispatch, Due to come out, uh, which was due to come out this year, was delayed indefinitely, uh, likely to come out next year now, uh, due to the fact that Nomadland from the same production company is getting a lot of awards buzz. Um, so it's probably better for them to delay to next year to compete on that front. I completely forgot about the French Dispatch. Yeah, and one of the films that I was looking forward to the most, same as yeah, yeah, uh, Last Night in Soho from Edgar Wright and a bunch of other films that uh, got delayed. Thankfully, we still got Tenet, but um, yeah, a lot of good films delayed. All he has is a word, JL. Yeah, I'm actually going to watch that again at some point uh, before the end of this month because I got a free IMAX upgrade. Oh yeah, I think I did until last week and then I didn't do it in time. 
So. And the last piece of news that we have for the week is uh, following on for discussing it a little bit over the last few weeks. And uh, there's been an official title for Sacha Baron Cohen's up- upcoming film, Borat 2, which is <laughs> <laughs> Borat, gift of pornographic monkey to Vice Premier Michael Pence to make benefit recently diminished nation of Kazakhstan. You know what? That's why I Thoughts. got so confused. Do you remember when I was saying to you that it was... Oh, was it to, no, it was my dad, actually. I was saying to my dad, my dad was like, oh, it's uh, he's from Kazakhstan or whatever. And I was like, no, it's like a made-up country, I swear. It's like, uh, you know, he, it's like some random nonsense country with just Istan stuck to the end of it. And I realised that's why I got confused, because the title is The Make Benefit Nation of uh, of Kazakhstan. And I always, I I just got confused with with that aspect, but yeah, such Ranko Cohen known for his uh, outlandish eccentric uh, <laughs> nature. Uh, yes, some people play... currently saying he does not believe that Kazakhstan's real. I believe that's no, that's not what I just said. <laughs> yeah, Borat is from Kazakhstan, and he's apparently giving a pornographic monkey to the, uh, <laughs> Vice President Michael Pence. So I'm a uh, Vice Premier um, yeah, Michael Pence. So um, Michael with a K as well. <laughs> I like Gorbachev. <laughs> no, given yeah, I mean, given given uh, who is America uh, and other yeah. recent endeavors, as I mentioned, with the the Trump gang in America, then I think mm-hmm. this could be a very interesting film. Big Trump guy, aren't you? Yeah, really big supporter. I uh, I was looking at who is America earlier, and I was just scrolling through the Wikipedia page because that's the uh, that's the high quality research I do for the podcast. And um, this, the like uh, interviewees that like spoke up after it about like getting interviewed and not realizing like it's like so fat. There's like hundreds and hundreds of different like things that different people have said. Like Sarah Palin was like extremely angry, she's irate about it, and saying that he's like a like you know ruining like as dangerous to society and shit. And then there's like loads and loads of different people that interviewed that all angry about who is America, which I guess he's is his point though. I think they nearly got sued for $93 million. But they didn't, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah, Who's America was great. They also, got a, was uh, they also got a... They also got a... Was it a senator who got sucked? Yeah, yeah, because he shouted the N-word. Yeah, and he was also, like, taking his pants down and, like, <laughs> trying to stop terrorists or something. That was ridiculous, that entire thing. It's actually scary how that is true. Yeah, and then it goes back to former... Um, former presidential candidate john mccain and then he asks him what your what so what's your favorite war and he goes mm, probably iraq <laughs> like he has an answer to that what's your yeah. favorite war yeah and uh it's amazing how he how sony like he doesn't look that different and he still gets away with it no one believes no one goes like oh, well, that's, that's what the reports were though weren't they last that we talked about last episode i think it was where there's rumours that Borat 2 is going to be Borat going undercover because people know Borat, so he's going to be sat around Cohen playing Borat, yeah, playing yeah, yeah, yeah. undercover Borat. Yeah, it makes sense. He's going undercover and, um, sat around Cohen. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, he's just going to walk around like normal. Yeah. Um, and he's obviously uh, set to uh, show up in the upcoming film The Trial of the Chicago 7, which mm-hmm. uh, I was trailer for earlier, and looks very, very good and stars a, yeah, an ensemble cast, if there ever was one. So we'll be probably doing that the episode after next, uh, yeah. looking at that film, which is um, which is an exciting release. Um, Netflix, right? Netflix, Netflix. Really? Uh, Netflix, yeah, and Aaron Sorkin directing, who 
very, very good scriptwriter. Obviously, did the likes of um, Social Network and A Few Good Men and so on. So, very good scriptwriter stepping up to the directorial uh, helm. Plinth. Yeah. Yeah. So, I think it's now time to uh, go on to the two reviews we're going to be uh, doing for for today. Um, we're going to be looking at, obviously, uh, first, schemas, and uh, and then we're going to move on to the main feature, Enola Holmes. Um, so, schemas, um, perhaps, is something not known so well um, as something like Enola Holmes, or, or basically, I argue this is probably one of the smaller films we've we've done on the podcast. Um, I assume it probably is not going to get released outside of the UK. Um, I'm, I can't see the appeal for for uh, for people across the pond, but um, uh, I look at kind of late seventies, early eighties, uh, Scotland, uh, very Dundee, and it's it's kind of very um, nostalgic look at the life of one guy and his uh, impact on the music business. Uh, as I said earlier, uh, directed by the, the same person it's about. Um, features uh, kind of one of the, the first big performances for upcoming Scottish actor Connor Berry. And um, and it's, um, well, quite exciting. Uh, quite a lot of things happen. And um, and I'm going to hand it over to you, JL, because if I keep talking, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to influence your opinion or such. So I'll let you get, get uh, out and, and I'd like to hear your views uh, on the film Schemers. Yeah, so you mentioned a lot of things happen. Um, I would definitely agree with, with that. Um, one of my... I'll just jump straight into my thoughts, really. Because um, I, I usually end up waffling on about random stuff for five minutes and then giving like a ten-second review on my thoughts in ten mm-hmm. seconds. But um, yeah, I thought... I say a lot of things happen, and it's a very... Maybe a story, as you said, maybe that's not as uh, globally intriguing or globally interesting. But I think it's a story which is is intriguing in its own right and and uh, interesting nonetheless. And I think, I think as you said, a lot of things happen. And whether I, it kind of felt at times that it was um, a bit too chaotic. Like I got, I, I kind of got the energy it was going for was this kind of uh, young, ambitious, energetic uh, Scottish uh, Scottish guy and. Uh, you know, trying to pull together different strands of his personal life and his his occupation, and trying to trying to achieve something with his life, and also trying to win over uh, the the affections of of uh, someone that he fancies. And you know, there's a bunch of different sort of plot lines that kind of intermingled, but I think personally, kind of didn't work as well as it could have done. I think there was a lot of things happening where it was kind of hard to follow sometimes, or kind of hard to understand fully what people's motivation was. I think there's, um, you know, from, from the beginning, it's kind of not very clear what's, like, why certain characters are doing certain things or who people are in relation to each other, whether they already knew each other, whether they didn't know each other and so on. And uh, I think I think the film kind of tried to rectify that towards the end in the third act. There's a, there's a moment, um, I'm, I'm not sure, were we doing spoilers or we're we not doing spoilers? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're doing spoilers. Okay. Um... So yeah, there's like a moment in the third act where they, um, the, they kind of try and pull out the motivation for for the character for Davy, um, you know, he, I forgot what she was called now. The Shona. Yeah, Shona. Um, yeah, they kind of try and they get her like she asks sort of why did you do this, 
And it, it kind of felt like that line was just in there to try and kind of make sense of, of what was happening earlier in the film, like why he was doing what he was doing. Um, it felt at times that, as I said before, there weren't there wasn't maybe a clear motive for, for certain things that were done in the film. But I think overall it was it was a fun, energetic film. Um maybe I'm not as big of a, a as a music buff as a film buff, so maybe some of the uh, references or some of the, you know, events of the film were maybe lost on me compared to someone who perhaps knows a bit more about music than I do. Um, but I think as a, as a, as a piece of film, I think it kind of, it, it was good. I, it, I wouldn't say it was a bad film. Um, and I think, you know, we talked last week about the Madonna biopic, which is going to be directed and, and whatever produced and so on, uh, by her. And we kind of talked about whether that would be good or bad for authenticity reasons or for, you know, uh, what's actually shown, what's not shown and so on. And, and kind of that lens, I think this was definitely on the on the more positive side i think um it felt it felt very genuine and very authentic and as i mentioned last week with caliber the scott the, another scottish based film uh, it's always nice to see british uh, british films and um i think this this felt very genuine and very kind of from the heart of of the uh, of, of dave Mc, david mclean who is the as you as you mentioned based on his uh, experiences growing up in in dundee and, and so on and uh, in the music promotion uh, business um and i thought the performances all around were, were pretty good as I, as I mentioned with 23 walks i thought maybe the script let the the actors down at certain points in terms of dialogue or um events that happened and so on uh, or just general direction really um obviously as a, di- as a director debut and for a film which is about your own life it, as i said before with, with other things it can be hard to to get the right balance and i think overall it did did achieve its aim, and there was some really nice moments in there with editing and cinematography and so on, which I thought could have been played up to a lot more. Um, these instances, for example, in the disco and the, the drinking of like shots from alcohol, like alcohol shots, like the editing um, of, of those moments was was really intriguing, really interesting. Um, but overall, it kind of felt somewhat generic in parts. But I think I don't know what you thought. I don't know. I'll maybe pass back to you now just to give get your sort of general thoughts, but. I mm-hmm. thought it was, um, it had promise, but I think it could have been, as I said, it could have been a more sort of complete, cohesive whole. I think there was individual aspects, which I really liked, but I don't necessarily think it, it worked overall. But I think it was a good, I'd, I think um, it was a good film overall. It wasn't a bad film by any means, um, but it was, there were certain aspects like that stood out more than others for me. Sure. Uh, and uh, and I'll get into to my thoughts now, and uh, I won't be uh, particularly lengthy about it because I do not understand we need to uh, obviously focus on uh, Anola Holmes more than anything. That's the big film of the week. However, I will I want to say my thoughts on on uh, schemas, and I will say to start off, I enjoyed this film um, more. Uh, this film was more enjoyable to me than it was a good film. Like I think it. Um, I very much enjoyed it. It doesn't necessarily mean that I think it was a particularly well-made piece of cinema. Um, I think, uh, you know, when it comes to on a personal level, I, I, I very much, you know, I mean, I'm into the, the modern um, indie scene, you know, the, the 2000s and, and kind of late 90s to, to mid 2000s, uh, to mid 2010s more than anything. Uh, and um, 
and this music this is late 70s early 80s however um i appreciate that a lot of the music that i listen to is is based off the the kind of musicians that um that he was booking at the start of the film and, and there is you know bands in there that that i'm a big big fan of they, they talk about such as xdc or simple minds uh, and the soundtrack is just uh, excellent um and and you know there was there was a variety of, of other genres mentioned of course they talk two tone and, and it kind of ends off with with a heavy metal gig with with Iron Maiden but um I thought that on a musical level it was excellent um for someone that that's into that kind of side of of, of music um so that that definitely gave it a lot of points for me I thought it was uh charming in a, in a kind of very you know stereotypically British way I thought the uh, the the banter between the friends and, and the things they say felt I didn't have any problems with the script to actually I thought the script was quite strong I thought that um, a lot of the things they say to one another seemed quite believable uh, especially between the friends um, more than the the kind of the main three characters that's uh, Davy Scott and John more than their rea- interactions with others I thought between them it felt very very real and on a film level I'll say the the I think the greatest strength of the film pulled off was authenticity um you know i think the um it was very believable that the film would have been shot in 1979 in dundee um if the costume design the set design uh, was extremely authentic i thought it looked very very good and it was very believable and gave me nostalgia for places that i've never been for times i never lived but you know you can appreciate through things like you know the internet and and, and other tv shows and stuff this is being called uh uh by a lot of people train spotting light or um new train spotting and uh, even the poster says begins the same energy that, that was present in train spotting i think that's a particularly lazy comparison that just comes from the fact that it's a bunch of 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 kids in Scotland, I don't think that there's that many comparisons beyond that. It's set in a completely different time and and, and different people and and the motivations, you know. Whilst you know, occasionally drugs are used, it very much isn't the motivation to the theory that train spotters is. Um, I, I think that I just wanted to say that because I saw it a lot. Um, but yeah, I think that those are the strongest points of the film. I thought the music was great. I think that you know the cinematography was uh, above average for a, a f- was above what you'd expect for a film of this kind of almost indie caliber. Um, and I thought the, the performance of uh, Sean Connor. I've not heard of him before. He he played Scott. I thought it was particularly uh, I was particularly impressed with. I thought he was uh, a very very um, convincing psychic and and a real bloke you can you can believe in. Unfortunately, it doesn't really believe say at the end of the film that the, the bloke he's playing did die a couple of years ago um, but yeah I thought it was a particularly impressive performance from him um, but on the negative side the things that bring this down really for me uh, was I felt that and obviously you know you can't be messing around too much because it is his real life and you know, he knows what happened more than anyone um, but I felt like there were pacing issues throughout the film uh, I'm, I'm, I think you'd probably agree with it with yeah jail, for sure yeah. like yeah it's like he, they'd, you know, they'd say something's going to happen, and then it would instantly happen. You know, when it comes to like, it just seemed like everything was a little bit too easy. Things like getting the first bookings, it's like that could have been a little bit harder. The fact that they instantly went from booking a disco to getting Simple Minds and XTC and you know all these things. That, oh, oh yeah, yeah, we'll just give you you know fifty quid and six cans or whatever. It's um, six tins. It seems a little easy. Um, it will build up to yeah. this, you know, spoilers, I guess, big um, kind of final confrontation where they had to sort out the Iron Maiden gig and sit all out. And, you know, it had this kind of big stress at the beginning when they had to get them food and had to get the drink. And then as soon as they do, 
you don't see it pay off in real time. It just, oh yeah, everything went all right. So you just like get two shots of the gig, that's it. And that's boom, it went fine. And then it cuts to like a week later. It felt like um, things were, were not, you know, the, the struggles were not shown. Um, the triumphs were not exactly um, like worth it. You didn't, feel, you didn't punch the air and feel happy for the characters because you didn't see them work for it. And I understand this is probably something that comes with writing and directing a character based on yourself you don't want to come across too egotistical when you're being realistic. But I did feel that I struggled to sympathise and to empathise with the main character, Davey. A lot of the time he just came across like a dick for no reason. Or, you know, I was like, why did he do that? There's no reason why I did that. He never talks about, you know, he's, you know, you know, once he, you know, he puts a couple quid on, he puts 20 quid on the horses and then two scenes, you know, 20 minutes later, he in a in a last night flashback gets revealed he spent a grand gambling. It's like that doesn't I, that doesn't seem like he, that was something he was going to do. He didn't talk about anything like that. It did feel like sometimes that the character Davy wasn't built up enough, despite the fact that he was the outstanding main character. Um, but yeah, I think the main issue I had was the the ending. It all built up to a point. It was almost um, like uncut gems esque or, or the informer uh, in the way that it got more and more stressful and and things. Oh, they get more and more debt, and he's trying to do this and it's not paid off, and they have to gig ask it moved and it's getting stressful and stressful and stressful and then you don't have the payoff that you do with something like Uncut Gems or, or lack thereof in Uncut Gems case or the informant um, it just felt like it was a little bit of a damp squib but I felt like the, the film was characteristically Scottish, a lot of uh, good performances, upcoming actors and definitely gave the vibe that the film wanted to Yeah for sure and I think I agree with basically I kind of echo uh, what you've said um, overall I think yeah the pacing issues for sure and character motivations and development were were kind of strong in some areas and then a lot weaker in others. Um, but yeah, I agree fully with what you said about the authenticity, though. It felt very personal and very authentic, which I should expect from a sort of semi-autobiographical or almost autobiographical uh, account. Um, just having a look. So my, my... Yeah, sorry. Yeah. I was going to say, so my, my, my kind of closing thoughts or, or recommendations would be if you are into 80s music or early 80s, late 70s music, if you're into the indie scene, if you're in, if you're Scottish or, or particularly interested in, in Britain, um, I'd recommend seeing it for those vibes, you know, especially if you grew up in that time. Um, and this film definitely will do something for you. I enjoyed seeing the film as someone that likes music. Um, however, if you're someone maybe more like JL who doesn't have any of that, and just appreciate cinema, I probably would say you're fine to miss it. Um, I think I would probably give the film, uh, like for enjoyment, it's like a solid seven and a half, but, but for, I'm going to rate it, uh, I think a, a five and a half out of 10. Yes, yeah, pretty much, but I, I give it a three out, three out of five. So yeah, probably five yeah. or five and a half or six out of 10. Um, yeah, say five and a half sounds a bit harsh. Six sounds a bit, bit more safe. Something in that range. Yeah. I think the fact and, that it uh, yeah. won the best film award at the Edinburgh International Film Festival kind of um, maybe reflects what you're saying in terms of like if you're Scottish or if you have an interest in the film in actually seeing the film. Like if you go out of your way to watch it. Like I mean, I did for the podcast, but I wouldn't maybe normally have done so, especially if I didn't mm-hmm. have a, a, a limitless membership. I think if. But yeah, if 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 it kind of if you're inter- as Sam said, if you're interested in in that sort of music scene, then sure you'll probably love the film. Um, for me, it was like I say, it was maybe a bit less uh, overall quality wise, but I still enjoyed it. It was it was an enjoyable watch, but maybe not something I would want to revisit in terms of rewatching it later down the line. Yeah, so that's uh yeah, so that was our review on on the uh, 
in the indie film schemas that's currently out in uh, cinemas across the UK. And I don't feel like that's the kind of film that would be at all ruined by spoilers, personally. I think. No, uh, no. But, but um, I, I think if you sound like the sound of it, then it's worth uh, giving it a watch anyway and, uh, and, and seeing the events play out. But um, I think with this film, seeing it is a bit of a mystery, we will do a spoiler section. I'm going to force you to listen through to this and, and give a, a timestamp, okay. I'm afraid, yeah. Yes, yeah, um, because this is the biggest film of the week. It's number one ranked on Netflix currently, and um, what you're going to be talking about, of course, of course, we're going to be talking about Anola Holmes, uh, starring Millie Bobby Brown, Henry Cavill, Sam Cafflin, Helena Bonham Carter. Um, it's uh, as, directed by Harry Bradbeer, who let me check if he's done anything else I've heard of. You know, this is his first major film, um, and yeah, it's uh, it's a. As I said earlier, it's a story about Sherlock Holmes' sister in a world where Sherlock Holmes is already famous, um, having to deal with her mum's disappearance and trying to find their own way in the world. Anola, obviously, uh, being the word alone backwards, which is mentioned throughout the film a number of times. Um, and, and it's based off a, a series of books, the first of a series of books uh, called Anola Holmes, which obviously promises that they'll probably make loads of sequels because obviously they do to these kind of things. And... Um, I think uh, you know. I think we'll we'll start. You know, I'm gonna make you start again, Jail. Go make you start again. <laughs> okay, All right. I'll start. Okay, so I watched this uh, a couple of days ago. Now a few days ago now. Uh, I watched it with my dad. My dad basically said, "Oh, have you heard about this uh, Enola Holmes film?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, I did hear about that." And I was looking forward to watching it, and uh, completely forgot it was out today. So we watched it, and um, yeah. Uh, we watched. I completely forgot it was coming out, and then I realised, like on the day, okay, probably should have uh, watched that for the podcast. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, so I will give my again. I'll go through. I kind of just jump straight into my thoughts rather than trying rambling on again. Um, Sounds good. Okay, so I was really looking forward to seeing this. Like I saw the trailer, and I kind of I think. If I remember correctly, I think I stopped the trailer early because I didn't want to watch too much of the trailer because I. I kind of, I think you do this as well, like avoid trailers as much as possible. I don't know. If, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I tended to not do that, and then sometimes, sometimes I don't regret it, but sometimes I do regret it quite a lot. Um, so I think I did avoid the trailer for this one as much. Like I watched a little bit of it, I think, and then turned it off because I was like, okay, I want to watch this, so I'm gonna avoid the trailer. And I was kind of disappointed. Like, I, I did really, I did like the film. And um, I'll come to my, my actual score uh, towards the end of the review like we normally do. I did like the film, but I think what I was expecting from the film wasn't what I got, which maybe, I don't know, maybe that was detrimental uh, to my actual overall thoughts on the film. I think there was um, some really, really nice, uh, interesting moments, interesting themes and sort of things explored. But then there were so many parts where I was just like, why why is this happening in a film which has these actors and this topic and this theme and these characters? Why why is this happening? Like, And I, I know it's sort of supposed to be family friendly and whatever, but some of the things that happened, like, obviously, okay, we're doing spoilers, so I won't say what, but... Um, yeah, come back to this later. I'll come back to the spoiler part, but yeah, there were certain things that happened which I wasn't a big fan of. Um, I thought the acting all around was pretty good. I think um, 
Henry Cavill as Sherlock is in, is something that I would like to to see going forward. Yeah, I'm not sure that if... was a surprising one. I, I don't. He does not look like a Sherlock Holmes, but I thought he carried the role with with poise. I thought he really did suit. I thought it was a, a, an intriguing one and is very different from the um, kind of weedier, um, more. Um, I guess they're focusing more on the the drug addict side side of Sherlock in in the in Benedict Cumberbatch or um, or Johnny Lee Miller's that we've seen on telly's more recently. I think the idea of of him as this kind of um, head held high, proud Sherlock is is one that I'd quite like to see explored more as well. Yeah, I think Henry Cavill did a really good job, and um, as you said before, in terms of sequel potential, I think given the ending of the film, there's definitely that potential for that. I think they've pretty much you know confirmed almost mm-hmm. uh with i think they knew just on the premise it's a book series yeah it's a book series so. i was i think i one of the letterbox reviews i read actually said they should have done it as a series from the get-go i don't necessarily agree with that but i wouldn't be surprised if they did do a series on the back of it um i think i reckon they reckon they'll make like eight films personally <laughs> yeah they'll make film yeah they'll probably just make films but i think um i think going forward for sure henry cavill uh, is is someone I'd like to see going forward in in, in the role of Sherlock and uh, as I sort of joke uh, not jokingly as I hilariously uh, said to a friend a couple of weeks back uh, is that the one with Billy Bobby Brown <laughs> um, and Billy oh boy did she do a good job in this um, I thought mm-hmm. yeah I thought Billy Bobby Brown was was really good I think there was certain parts where it did feel almost like a cringe fest at times with some of the dialogue. And there's like a fourth wall break um, element yeah, of this film. Yeah, actually, I completely forgot to put that in my schemas review. What? There's a fourth wall. They're both films and narrated by the main character throughout the film. Like it stops. Like both films are like in in schemas. The film like the the it physically stops and then he talks. And he goes, "Oh, this fucking oh, guy I see, is this I see, person. yeah." And then in Nola Holmes, she, she breaks the 4-4 four four by talking to the camera. Yeah. I was going to say at the start of the podcast, that's what links the films, is that it's narrated by the main character as the events happen. We'll have to go back and, uh, we'll have to go back and restart the podcast then, won't we? <laughs> we already did three times. <laughs> no, but I, th- I think the fourth wall thing, I liked it at the start. And as the film went on, the way it was used, it felt very repetitive and it felt very cringy at times. Like, there were certain moments where I really liked it. It kind of... Reminded me of almost like Deadpool, Birds of Prey, kind of yeah. quality of fourth wall breaking. Like the, it's just okay. Spoiler territory, but there's one moment where she like winks to the camera, um, yeah. and that no I thought spoiled off that. No, no, that, that that's not a spoiler. But I mean, yeah, I wish yeah. I said the context. But no, that that was um, that moment I thought was really really good. And like there were certain moments throughout the film where the fourth wall thing was was really interesting, really. A really cool mechanism for the film, but then there was other times where I just felt like they've just they've just done it to maintain the fact that they're doing it throughout the film. It kind of felt shoehorned in at times and unnecessary, mm-hmm. like glances to the camera just for kind of no good reason, which didn't. I don't know. Maybe as I said before, it is a kind of almost sort of family orientated with some of the some of the moments in the film. Uh, but yeah, I think in terms of acting, as I said, uh, Henry Cavill was was great. Uh, Millie Bobby Brown, um, in the in the lead role was was overall I would say was was, was very good, um, especially given the fact you consider you know she's still what sixteen years old, um, which I think is incredible. You know she's been on, I'm not seeing Stranger Things, but I've heard very good things about her in that as well, and 
I think maybe the script uh, let them some of the actors down at certain points. That's the same with similar issue with schemas um, and twenty three walks and a bunch of films I saw this week was that the the acting was maybe pulling the film through at parts. But I thought overall it was was a very strong film. Um, I thought some of the as again some cinematography and some of the editing choices were very good. Um, one thing I would say is, and this is something I didn't actually realise, but um, so it's the same issue that some people had with the likes of the Ghostbusters reboot, and I think the Oceans reboot, but I'm not too sure on that one, but there was another film that I saw mentioned in relation to this issue, is, and I also talked about in terms of Tenet as well, in terms of Nolan and female-led films, is this was this was a female-centred film which had very prevalent issues of um, womanhood and feminism and so on. And mm. it was directed by a guy, which, you know, it, you know, it, you can take what you want from that and you can say, yeah, but guys, whatever can, you know, as, as I do, and I'm sure you do, agree with those issues. I agree with, you know, the the, the anti sort of, um, what's, the, what's the word? <laughs> like... You know what I mean? Like the, you agree with the messages that are trying to be presented, but yeah, maybe it was a very feminist film. Yeah, but maybe I don't know whether you would agree that maybe should have been directed by a woman. I don't know whether you would agree with that. I, I um, but I felt at times that yeah. I don't. I don't think that. I, I think that um, that if 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 the the message of you know female equality and such is that you know only women should be making. Uh, directing films that have feminist issues, I think that almost is um, proving the point. I think it's the same issue, uh, similar to the issue that um, uh, Anthony Mackie had with Black Panther when he was talking about the Marvel. It's like you only put the black, the only black black director is for the black film. The only black casting director is for the black film. I think. Yeah. I think part of feminism is, uh, and those films are very, uh, I'd say, strongly feminist in a lot of ways. Um, and and had a very very strongly female cast. I think it's kind of more than more than half were women um, in the film. But um, I, I felt that um, I, I think that the if you're if you're saying that every film about yeah. uh, female issues and things should be directed by a woman, that is almost um, stunning equality. I think. Yeah, um, I guess. And obviously, the film was was based off a book written by a woman as well. So. You know, yeah, and that. there was a uh, yeah, there was a female screen. The the screenplay was written by a man and a woman. So yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, I, I didn't. I, I don't know. I just I just felt like at times, like the issues it was trying to present weren't as maybe not even not, clear is not even the right word because they were so clear. Maybe that's maybe that's the thing though. Maybe it was too on the nose. Maybe I don't know. Maybe a a female director would have been a bit more sort of. I don't know what the word is like. Not even aware, but kind of, I don't know. It just felt at times that the issue was kind of just being added on top of the film at times. Like, there's like, as you mentioned to me off off podcast, like a couple of days ago, and you, whenever you watched it, you said about the, the you know, when um, when Mycroft sees the, the feminism book, like in the first act of the film, and just sort of has like a, you know, instantly one book, one book and it's like a disparaging comment. I don't know. It just felt like the issue was at times just I, I think, chucked in. I think it works with the characters because that was very much the attitude from the ruling classes at that time. I didn't think that anything felt too much of a stretch. Like I think that realistically, Minecraft probably would have been quite misogynistic, and realistically, those yeah, 
the the least realistic part is the, I guess the, um, no, I don't think I was. No, I was gonna say the extent in which Helena Bonham Carter's character was uh, feminist, but realistically, society only progresses through people like the suffragists and suffragettes. So, therefore, I think that that maybe I, I was wrong in saying that. But no, I think um, I didn't feel like I can understand the on the nose uh, comment because it, it does. It is kind of uh, quite kind of forced on there, thrown on there yeah. at points. But I, I felt like the. Um, in, I mean, in the historical context, I think it justifies itself and it doesn't feel too bad because it was such an important part of history and, and obviously the, the film uh, quite strongly goes around yeah. the uh, the ability, not for women to vote, but for commoners to vote, common men to vote, rather than just lords and such mm-hmm. and, and, and homeowners. And, and that kind of, they foreshadowed the, the votes for women as well. So I think historically it didn't feel too bad because that's what the world was like at the time. Yeah, I mean, this, this is coming off the back of, I saw one review... Um, which was on a website. I think I think the website I was looking on was actually kind of is Enola Holmes appropriate for children kind of thing, like mm-hmm. a film classification where people would basically yeah. say, you know, I watched this with my kids it. or whatever, or this bit yeah. isn't suitable or whatever. And one review which was on that website was from um, from an adult who wrote two star review for Enola Holmes, and the title of the review was woke propaganda film. <laughs> And the review, uh, I've got to read this, it was too good not to read on the podcast. The review is, <laughs> blatant feminist messages that include calling men worthless distractions. It's as though 1884 England is being used as a flipped analogy of 2020 Western civilization, where now women are being influenced to control their fate through domination and violence. However, I concur with the reforms needed then and since. There are some violent fight scenes with one scene ending with a graphic death. Also, the use of the fourth wall as a quirky exposition device quickly becomes overused and cringy. Overall, it seems like it could have been a fun Netflix TV series to binge if the main storyline could be expanded upon and it wasn't so geared to push an agenda, but ends up feeling a little bit pedantic, predictable and pushy. Pros, no swearing, drinking, drugs or promiscuity. Promiscu- promiscuity? Is that how you say it? Oh, well, I know what the word is. Um, Shagging. Yeah, that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I, I agree with some parts of that, such as the fourth <laughs> wall breaking, you know, was a... Yeah. As I said before, did feel a bit overused, but You're I You're a meninist, think... aren't you? <laughs> but You're I a strong think, I think some of, the, uh, some of the comments, such as blatant feminist messages, um, yes, that's kind of the it's point the of the film. the film set during the... Suffragist yeah. movement. I don't think that. And also that's an calling issue. it a woke propaganda film, which wants to push an agenda. I mean, <laughs> if that's an issue, yeah, then Captain Marvel as well, and that film is just about a woman that happens to be a superhero. Yeah. But anyway, I think it's time for me to get into my thoughts of the film, yeah. and I will issue the spoiler wall halfway through, and uh, and we can you can force you to listen back through during editing and, and write that in the, in the description yeah. for anyone that wants to watch No Life Films afterwards, but it is on Netflix, so who the fuck doesn't have Netflix? So, um, I just want to say that I came into the film with the absolute opposite um, prerequisite opinion to that of my co-host, um, which is that I thought it looked shit. Um, I, I didn't, wasn't excited by it. Um, I, I saw the trailer, I saw the poster, um, and I kind of vaguely heard about. It. I was like, "Oh, they're just gonna, this is like a cringy spin-off. Um, this is this isn't gonna be this isn't gonna be very good." I thought, oh, "How are they gonna make this entertaining?" I was just, I wasn't 
very proud. I didn't think Henry Cavill looked like a very good Sherlock Holmes, uh, and the only thing that was particularly exciting was was the, you know the, the length of the cast. You know, Minnie Moore Brown, and, and despite that, Henry Cavill obviously and Helen the Bonham Carter and Sam Claflin and so on and so forth. But I didn't really have very high hopes for it, and I would like to say that I was pleasantly surprised by the film. Um, I didn't realise um, how family friendly or, or your kind of kid uh, oriented the the film was. Uh, until I started to watch it, I imagined it would have been a little bit more uh, kind of teenage uh, than it was kind of a bit more, as I say, family friendly. But I didn't think that was a detractor. I think that just made me look at the film in a different way. Uh, I think that in hindsight now, I think the story and, and the characters and such, I think suits um, the lighthearted children's vibe more than it would trying to be Sherlock Holmes that isn't Sherlock Holmes if they went for a little bit older. So I think that was that, that, that gives it points, uh, definitely knowing its target audience and going for it well. Um, I think um, this is uh, an this is uh, a demonstration to um, to Netflix's main competitor right now, Disney Plus, in how to make a kids film, um, or because Artemis Fowl was hated on for weeks and weeks, months and months, and thousands and thousands of reviews for the. Um, a, a lack of attention to detail with uh, stuff like production design, um, editing, cinematography. I thought that this was technically very, very well done. I thought that for a film that um, maybe I didn't expect it to, I thought that it, it um, stuff like the, the editing um, was done very creatively and, and the cinematography was done very well and, and it quite um, it had it was quite stylized and you know you know scenes were you know she, as she was talking things were appearing and uh, newspaper clips were shown and I thought that it was just um, the way that it, it was um, kind of uh, much like almost like the the gentleman or something in, in that kind of overly um, kind of color colorized and, and as I say stylistic um, style uh, and I, um, I I thought that kind of from a technical point uh, the, the sound music was fine uh, I thought that it was generally a, a very well-made film when it comes to the, well, the plot points I thought that there were maybe scenes that I'll talk about in the um, in the spoiler section that perhaps were a little bit off or, or a little more confusing to me but I thought in general I thought it was a, a an interesting mystery that um, kind of also wasn't um, too out of uh, nowhere like you could work it out um, it made sense uh, there were there were kind of did what you know any good Agatha Christie novel didn't slowly kind of give you the clues without realising throughout the film uh, I thought that um, there was a lot of uh, I thought that was a, a strength of it. I thought the plot was strong. I thought the, the performances were, were strong from a number of people, especially Minnie Bobby Brown. I thought she was uh, exceptional uh, in, in the role and I thought she suited it very well. And um, it seems like uh, from what you... Obviously, you never really know people, but um, it felt like uh, she was quite close to her character in personality. Um, and um, obviously, uh, as, as a big uh, Doctor Who nerd, it's nice to see Torchwood's Ben Gorman in a in a big role. Uh, and uh, and I would say as well, um, Millie Rory Brown uh, and um, Henry Cavill to a lesser degree, but Millie Rory Brown and, and Henry Cavill um, had the same effect on me that Robert Pattinson did, which in during Tenet, which is why well, it sounds weird for these English speak these English people to be speaking in an English accent. I'm so used to hearing Millie Bobby Brown sound American. It sounds like really weird when she's British. And same with Henry Cavill. I'm used to him being Superman. Like now he's talking in a British yeah. accent. But they both are from I England. Think, but I think Millie Bobby Brown was born in another country, right? I think. I think she. I think she grew up in England, though. Yeah, so, but then so also does, have an, does she have an English accent? I imagine. I, I've seen a. I've seen an interview that she did after I watched Neville Holmes because I was just. Uh, 
sort of reading up about her, like, because I've not seen Stranger Things and stuff. And there was an interview she did with, I think it was Jimmy Fallon. And a lot of people in the comments were saying, um, she sounds, she's, at times she sounds really, really English. And at times she sounds American. And it's like, it kind of a mixed accent. It's really mm. weird when she, mm. when she talks. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, yeah. I, I know what you mean yeah, with, so, with the, yeah, with the accent stuff. But I'd say Henry Cavill as well, because he's someone that is completely British, and mm-hmm. it sounds weird hearing him speaking in English accent. But overall, I was uh, pleasantly surprised. Um, he doesn't break any boundaries. It's not um, this amazing piece of free of cinema, but I thought it was uh, an above-average film uh, that yeah. was kind of a bit more all ages, and I thought that um, it, it did it, what it wanted to do very well. And um, I'm kind of... You know, it's obviously not, I'm not the target audience. However, I do patiently await the, the next instalment. Yeah. And now I think it's time to issue the spoiler war now. Okay. So, boom. Jordan, from the future, make sure you put this in the description, dude. Yeah, I will do. Okay, I wasn't talking to you. No, no, no I've come back in time. Um, <laughs> so, um, we'll start off uh, um, and we'll, we'll, with the spoiler bit. And... Um, and I'll talk about one major gripe I had, which sure. was I thought that the um, towards the end of the film, um, I can find his full name. His full name. Is his name? Oh, I didn't say his full name. Do you mean Timothy Chalamet's long lost twin? You think he looks like Timothy Chalamet? Yeah, and someone else agreed with me as well. I can't remember who it was. They said he looks like Timothy Chalamet and someone else I never heard of, like mixed together. Oh, Louis Partridge, the guy who plays. Yes. Yeah, no, really? no, hang on, no, hang on. Is Louis Patrick the guy in in other homes? Yeah, no, his character is called Lady. He's, he's Lady. No, 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 but Louis Patrick is the guy. He's the actor from in other homes, right? Yeah. Okay, no, it's not. Uh, but yeah, yeah, he looks. And someone said he looks like Timothy Chalamet mixed with someone else. And when I first saw him, I was like, okay, that's B Tech Timothy Chalamet. They just got so, afford. Yeah, they just got afford Timothy Chalamet. Viscount Tewsbury. Yeah, him. Yeah. I can't remember his full name because I say it all the time. It's like, um, yeah, oh, shit. It's like the the Marquis, the Marquis, Viscount, Viscount Marquis, Marquis, uh, yeah, Lord Duke of something down. Yeah, that. Anyway, that guy. yeah, that guy. Um, he gets shot, and and they use like the oh, but he was wearing. Yeah. Um, armor, which is the exact same thing they already did when she gets stabbed and she's wearing a corset. It's like and I was like, that's so that's so cheap. Like I think because I, I was so like, I, 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 I didn't even thought about it. I never thought about it like that, but now you said it, I kind of like that. Now you've said it. <laughs> well, they kind of had that harping back to it. Yeah, they kind of like parallel that, like she was. They almost like you'd expect it to be the other way around in this sort of film. You'd expect like, you know, you'd expect if they're going to do a callback moment, you'd expect maybe Enola. It happens to Enola second because like she's the woman and they're showing that the woman is like the man or whatever. And like the yeah. fact it happened the other way around, maybe is like supposed to be kind of like a breaking, like a flouting of that kind of trope. Maybe now you've said it. I don't know. I didn't think yeah, about I it during the it. during when I was watching it, but that whole sequence though was just ridiculous for me. It kind of ruined that that the entire sequence. I don't know whether when you he, felt when like When he actually this. got shot, I genuinely like like gasped out loud. I couldn't believe when he got shot. I but the whole like, sequence was just that, ridiculous, I thought. Like the guy, like that guy comes in to find them and like they're hiding behind a fucking like suit of armor. You can clearly see that they're there and he's like, 
oh, I can't find them. Where are they? And then he's like looking for them for like a solid two yeah, minutes. They should, they should have had them like running through rooms and stuff. Yeah, why is he like? Why were they hiding there? Like he could like any normal person would yeah. be able to see them just there. And he then just run down, look around left and right. Yeah, it just ruined the immersion for me because I was like, it wasn't even a ruined immersion of like this doesn't make sense. It was a ruined immersion of like just it just felt so overly done. That entire sequence just felt ridiculous to me. Like I don't know, it just felt very over-the-top, almost uh, pantomime-esque, that entire sequence for me. And it, it kind of ruined the... That, that kind of tarnished the rest of the film for me because it had done so well for the for the majority of the time up to that point. And that entire sequence of um, him trying to find them and then shooting them and then... You know, there's, there's a nice call... There's a nice sort of payoff with the... the um, what was it called? The windmill or something that she does? Like that technique that she tried att- attempting earlier in the film. I can't remember oh, what it was yeah. called. The corkscrew yeah. or something? I can't remember what it was called. Whatever it was, yeah. she tried to do some kind of move that to, like, bring the guy down and also to attempt it on the the uh, the the teacher, the combat teacher, and didn't work. Um, and there's, like, just, like I said, there's some nice callback moments. That was one of them, and there was a couple of other sort of callbacks. And I don't know. I, th- I think in terms of that entire sequence, that just kind of tarnished the... The finale of the film for me, um, and then there was also another moment towards the end. I think that kind of I just kind of felt why, why is this happening? Yeah, and oh, um, I don't know if, if you agree with this. Maybe going forward, the the character will be used a bit more. But I thought Helena Bonham Carter was very very wasted. Um, obviously, yes, to a degree. However, I did think that the um, constant jumps back, so like when she was doing something, she remembered her doing it with her mum all the time. I thought that was a nice technique. I thought that was that nice. I like we, that. We probably saw more of Helena Bonham Carter than you realised, yeah. even though she wasn't in the modern day. I think they do so many flashbacks in that film. And I think they were well placed. I didn't really feel the like... flashbacks. Yeah, were really good, but that's kind of what what left me wanting more. And like I expected her to find the mother a lot earlier in the film. Um, yeah, but maybe that's maybe going to fall forward of sequels or someone. Maybe they'll have the character included a bit more. But See, I thought the I, I thought the flashbacks hadn't... were I thought the flashbacks were really good though, and it gave yeah. me sort of Captain Marvel vibes, which obviously is a good thing for me because I love that film. Um, I had more an issue with the fact that she showed up at the end. I think they should have kept that for the next film. I I, I was like, I think maybe like... it's a security though. Maybe if they don't do another film, it's like a nice close payoff moment and like a nice rounding of the film. Yeah, I guess that's true. Because I guess if but if, they will it, make another one because it's yeah. Hollywood. Yeah, but if you if if we weren't expecting a sequel, yeah, then I yeah. think it would have felt very odd if she wasn't in the film. So I guess it kind of works both ways. I think there mm. was there, as I said before, I I did really enjoy the film and the messages and the acting was great. Um, but there was just a few moments which really sort of detracted from the overall experience for me, and also the the kind of finale message of. Oh, I am Manola Holmes. I'm a detective, and I'm a whatever she said at the end. It kind of felt very much. I mean, maybe it's just because we're so used to Sherlock Holmes being this brilliant detective who can, you know, see a hair on some clothes or see mm-hmm. a footprint or something and work out like this person is this height and whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, it felt very much kind of that she didn't really do very much detecting work. It felt very much like. It wasn't even like a breadcrumbs fold of breadcrumbs. It was much more like here's a here's a map almost with with my, you know. It, it kind of felt like the the detective kind of work 
the wall, while the um. But she introduces the whole like your uncle thing, even though it's wrong. Um, you know, I don't mean that. I mean, well, there's also that aspect as well. But even the whole thing with the mother, like it felt, it wasn't very much a detective as much as just. I know that my mother does these puzzles with words, and even the word puzzles weren't that complicated. I felt like, you know, I mean, obviously she's still a young, uh, a young character, and she's still, you know, learning how to be a detective and so on. But it kind of felt this whole conclusion of I'm a great detective, or I'm a great, I'm a detective, and whatever. I don't know. It, it didn't feel justified um, enough throughout the film for me. There was obviously some moments where where it worked out, and obviously there's a nice. Uh, the nice payoff with her working out the case before Sherlock, which was a nice touch. But I think overall there wasn't enough. I mean, maybe it's kind of harsh, but it's kind of comparing it to, you know, like the Sherlock series or even like the RDJ films. It kind of felt like she wasn't doing very much detective work and it kind of felt like hmm. an undeserved sort of conclusion in, in my eyes. I'm not sure if you'd agree, but... In terms yeah, of de- I think detective that, that, sort of stuff. I think that the working out the word puzzles and stuff, and and leaving the messages and 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 working out it was the uncle, even if it wasn't true. I think was enough for like a sixteen year old or whatever it was to like yeah. justified and be thinking of detective. Yeah, I would say also, you know, bringing it up, I, I think this is better than either of the RDJ films. Oh, see, I've not seen I them. Thought... I've not seen them in long enough to fully comment on that. But based on my memory of those films. I don't know whether I'd agree, actually. I thought this film was uh, had a fun vibe. I thought it knew its audience, and I think that maybe RDJ films at some points were, um, especially colour grading and stuff, I remember they are feeling very miserable, but then also mm. trying to be quite family-friendly at the same time. I was like, felt like the yeah. RDJ films didn't really know who they were supposed to be for, because this film had a very clear thing. It was very bright and very well colour graded, and I felt like it knew its audience. It was going for a bit more of a family-friendly vibe, and it was... You know that kind of thing that, that Disney wanted to do with Artemis Fowl or whatever. And that. But you know, I think that I'll leave uh, one one more um, positive I'll, I'll say about the film is that I think that um, it did a, a very good job, and this is very, you know very rarely done in, in well in films. Is that I feel like I liked all the characters I was supposed to like, and I disliked all the characters I was supposed to dislike, which yeah. sounds very basic. But I think very rarely actually is done. I, I thought that I thought I liked Enola, and I liked. Her mum, and I liked Dukesbury, but I didn't like Mycroft, and I didn't like the person trying to kill him, obviously. I didn't like the fa- the Dukesbury family, and I felt like that kind of... I didn't trust the, the woman that was, um, you know, in the in the dress shop and whatever, and I was kind of mixed on Sherlock. I think that was a... It's a very simple sentence, but I think it's a very nuanced thing of actually doing is, is them trying to uh, force you yeah. into having an opinion without directly saying it yeah i guess that's true but then you can also counter that by saying that you know is it too basic to have characters that are so clearly almost you know, one-dimensional would be sort of a an insult almost um because i don't necessarily one-dimensional is the correct way of saying it but if you know what i mean like is it is it a good thing that it's so obvious whether you're supposed to like someone I, or not in a I film i think um it depends on the situation, but I think with a film that is basically family-friendly kids' film, I think you want it to be basic because you want to have yeah. anyone think. I think they wanted people to like this and root against these people and, and think because it's a bit more basic. And I think if this film was a Christopher Nolan film or something, I, I might have an issue with him being one-dimensional, but I think that when it's a film with a, a slightly lower audience, that's exactly what you want. I think it's that well. 
I think that's maybe where my issues lie, though, is that this film was obviously like a PG-13, if you're American, or like a 12A mm-hmm. kind of film, where there were it had potential almost to, to go very, very kiddie or very, very mature. Like, it could have easily been a more serious and more sort of... Um, just a bit more mature, really. It could have, it could have gone that way, and it could also could have been. I think we've had, an, I think we've had enough of that. I think this is a, a great film that for for that middle area that maybe has been missing out on it. Mm. I think that I don't know like, wherever I don't know if I liked that because it felt it felt like it was kind of holding itself back at times though, just to maintain that kind of twelve rating. Like there was. Yeah, I think if you want to go a bit more adult, you go for the RDJ, and that's I think like this, yeah. This, yeah. I would say for thinking about that as well. Last last thought before because we need to we need to finish up. Yeah, yeah. Getting long. But I, I would say one of my last thoughts um, was that I, I was um, genuinely a bit shocked about how brutal uh, Ben Gorman's death was um, for a, a kids film that had been quite tame throughout it, and then suddenly he smacks his head on the on the on the wall on like a pine cone on the wall, and then bleeds out in front of him. I was like, "Fucking hell!" This is well, that's what heavy. I mean, but it's like that's because it is like a twelve film, and it's kind of in that middle ground of it needs to, it needs to kind of have some kind of a weight to it, but also at the same time, it needs to be friendly, kid friendly enough that you can, you know, have the whole family watch it. So that's kind of why I've had a bit of an issue with it. Um, maybe where you kind of thought that Fallout worked a bit better. Well, I, say, I think I think it hits its total and stuff. Very much thought it was very much thoroughly enjoyable viewing, and um, I'd recommend it to anyone that hasn't seen it on Netflix. It's obviously, everyone it was definitely spoilers. We, spoilers ending is over. Hello to anyone that's clicked through the spoilers, uh, because now we're going to be going to our ratings, and I'm going to give the film a seven and a half out of ten. I thought it was very good. It could have been better in some places. I think I had some issues with some of the, the plot points, but I thought overall very enjoyable watch, and I recommend, especially for people that are slightly on the younger side. Yeah, I think we've gone for the same rating for both films, haven't we? Didn't schemas have the same? We didn't. Do we have the same results uh, for schemas? Uh, yeah, we were both like five to six. So. Yeah, so I've also given it. I would also out of ten give it a seven and a half. I've given it a three and a half out of five on Letterboxd. Um, yeah, as I've mentioned, my my thoughts on it overall. I think with with this, it's kind of been interesting actually with with Nola Holmes because I went into it maybe expecting a four four and a half. And uh, I've got a three and a half, and you've maybe gone into expecting maybe a two and a half, three, and you've come out with a three and a half as well. Yeah. So uh, differing initial expectations, but uh, similar thoughts overall, I'd say. Yeah, and um, I, I can't, and, and that, that that basically ends it off today. I think I think we'll that's uh, that's that's enough for today, and uh, I can't tell you what we're going to be talking about next week because we're not exactly sure. Have to see what comes out of the cinema or Netflix. Uh, obviously, we've got some things that are coming up in the coming weeks and months. Uh, the likes of um, The Trial of Chicago 7 or even looking forward a little bit further uh, the new James Bond film which I'll also be covering but in the near near future not so sure we'll yeah, like, we'll see when that comes out yeah I'm seeing a bunch of films in the cinema this week um, some older films uh, mainly what am I seeing I'm seeing Jurassic Park first time mm. watch for first nice. time main watch I've yeah. sat and watched it uh, in cinema oh I, oh, I thought I'm seeing which I can talk about next week um it's not a particularly new film. It's been out for a week or two now, but The Broken Hearts Gallery, I'm going to watch that tomorrow oh, yeah. as well. So we can talk about that maybe. Uh, then Tuesday, I'm seeing Emma and The Lighthouse, which I think you've seen. Um, the Lighthouse, yeah. So we can talk about, maybe talk about that. And then Wednesday, I'm watching La La Land. Uh, in Very nice. 
Oh yeah, on Thursday actually. Thursday I've got a new film. It's a Chinese animated film, and it's a second in a animated franchise, animated universe uh, of the Chinese like legends. Uh, so oh, really? we talk about that as well. I don't know if you're going to. Very interesting. Yeah, I don't know if it's going to be out in cinemas near you. It's called um, The Legend of Deification. Like, mm. um, I have to look it out for us anyway. Yeah, but yeah. So I might be. Uh, I'll be watching that on Thursday. So give some thoughts on that as well. Okay, so that wraps it all up, and we'll see you next week. Uh, you can follow um, Jordan on Letterboxd at JL McDonald. You can follow Jordan on Twitter at at by Jordan Luke. He is verified. Uh, you can contact uh, me the podcast or me uh, at nowshowingpod at gmail.com. Um, you can follow me on Letterboxd at, at Sam Houston. Um, and uh, I've got to say, the most of all, uh, the, the beg is um, I, if you enjoy the podcast, I'd be really appreciate five-star reviews on iTunes because it puts us up in the rankings and it really helps the podcast out. So if there's, if there's any way... Uh, to support the podcast mm-hmm. it, it, right now it would certainly be uh, yeah. five star iTunes reviews um, and, uh, and yeah. Recom- yeah. recommend us to a friend as well if you've got any film loving friends if you've got well. any friends if you've got, you've any, got friends, any friends if you any friends virgins listen to the podcast have any if they hate friends. if you if they hate films you know just just tell them to just, 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 just tell them it doesn't matter okay so we will see you all next time thanks guys Bye-bye. thank you bye